2: Hello and welcome to episode 45 of Vintage Rock Pod, the ultimate classic rock podcast that proudly claims that my music is better than yours. I'm a slightly croaky Paul Stevenson this week. Thanks as always for hitting play. Now, this week's show is a little bit different. I've been asked a couple of times to include some new wave here on the show, which isn't strictly classic rock as I'd interpret it myself, but it's a nice change, I suppose. And the guest on the show is a man I've interviewed a couple of times previously and met backstage as well at a festival in 2014. He's had platinum-selling albums in the US, UK and Canada, plenty of top-10 hit singles, and he played Live Aid. He's a really nice guy as well, with some cool things to say, so he certainly is successful. Also in this episode is an update on our uniquely curated playlist called Vintage Rock Pod, Artist's Choice. This can be found on Spotify, so you can follow it on there. It's unique in the fact that all the songs on the playlist have been chosen by the rock star guests themselves from their own back catalogue of music. Now, there's ten of my most recent guests coming up later in this episode, including Yo Kalkinen from Jefferson Airplane, Steve Lukather from Toto, Dave Mason, Lawrence Gowan from Styx, and last week's guest, Albert Bouchard from Blue Oyster Cult. It's always fascinating to find out what songs they pick from their own back catalogues. And as a reminder, it, this is an update, so if you want to find out what other songs are already on the list, scroll back through the series and find episode 7, there is the episode Rock Fans Special and the episode Side to Artist Choice so you can hear all the other wonderful guests choose their songs too. There's tracks on there from Rainbow, Dire Straits, Asia, Scorpions, Credence, Clearwater, Revival, Rat and many, many more. All the details for that coming up shortly in the programme. A quick hello as well to some listeners. Joseph K for the shout-outs on Twitter this week. Mr. Blaster Rob from Gen X Experience. Doris Gonzalez, Andy Old, Mike Norris, G.R. Hurlbut, uh, Tonya Wiseman, Evelyn Colston and Ricky G. Clef as well. I love hearing from all of you on the social so thank you very much. This week I seem to have uh, stirred the hornet's nest as well when I shared a picture of what Rolling Stone magazine voted as the top 20 guitarists of all time. It went off a bit in the comments as you can imagine. Also talking about going off on YouTube a short video that I uploaded a couple of weeks ago it was just a snippet from an interview I did in January with uh, former Genesis star Steve Hackett picked up a ton of views in the last seven days. It's over 35,000 now, which makes it my most viewed video on YouTube, which is very nice indeed. If you haven't already, definitely please give Vintage Rock Pod a little search on all the social media platforms. I try to respond as much as I can to everyone. It is only me running this show, so I try my best. Just search for Vintage Rock Pod on the likes of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube, and you can find me on there. I've also got a website which is VintageRockPod.com so you can check me out there as well. Right, let's get to the interview then and hear from Howard Jones. As I said previously, this guy has had platinum albums in the UK, US and Canada. His debut album went to number one in the UK in 1984. In terms of singles, he had six top 10 hits in the UK alone. Nine top 40 singles on the Billboard chart in the US, including Things Can Only Get Better and No One Is To Blame, which both went top five. And between Ireland, Canada and Australia, a combined 18 singles going top 20. So fair to say he was very, very successful. He also played Wembley Stadium for the Live Aid gig, and he talks about that in this interview that I did with him a couple of years ago too. So here you go, enjoy my chat with New Wave synth star Howard Jones.
0: Just taking you back to the very early days. Then um, it's pretty widely known that you worked in a factory during the day, and at night time you were playing live and writing your songs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Can you tell me a bit more about that time? How were you feeling that sort of time?
3: Um, Well, I'd I'd, I'd done I'd done um, two and a half years at. Uh, music college in manchester and and realized that actually it was it was pop music that i really wanted to do so i i quit college (coughs) and just got the first job that anybody um offered me which was um working in a cling film factory (laughs) so i used that to kind of you know um earn money and then worked um you know making demos during the evening and then and then you know doing gigs three or four a week and um and and then i i also had 60 piano students as well that i used to teach so um it was really quite, you know, um, a busy time. Mm.
0: And then, kind of from that early period, came new song, which you kind of built up, progressed uh, as it went along, and it's pretty much become the <laughs> How and Jones anthem, hasn't it?
3: Yeah, I mean, it was the first single, and it was, it was, it was really, uh, in, in a way, I always call it my uh, manifesto because mm. it, it kind of, it, it was, it's not like a, a sort of a typical pop song in, in a sense. It, it's a bit, but it's kind of uh, quite philosophical, and uh, it, you know, encourages people to kind of. Um, believe in themselves and go out and, and really do what they really want to do with their life and and, and realise that, you know, you can do that if you if you if you keep going and you work hard and you you believe in yourself you know so so that's what that song is about really
0: and you're kind of uh, you epitomize that all yourself don't you obviously having worked in the factory and built everything up and strive to get your dream and then you've worked so hard to get a foothold in the industry and then all of a sudden the song comes out and it goes massive doesn't it top five here in the uk
3: yeah yes yes that's right um that's right it got to another three i think in the uk Mm. and um it took a very long time to get there i think it was about 12 weeks but um but you know, it gradually, it gradually got there, and then when the album came out, you know, it went to another one, and um, yeah. So it had been a long time coming, but when it, when it finally, when you know, I finally got a chance, it kind of exploded. It's a
0: silly question as well, but it must have been such a great feeling knowing that all that hard work and effort that you had put in it's just paid off.
3: Yeah, I mean, it is very. Yeah, it is, and uh, and it helps you then to kind of keep uh, to keep going then and realise, you know, that that it is possible and. Uh, you know, and, but for me, it was very important to tell other people that that's mm. possible as well. Because you know, I was, you know, I was working on an, on the uh, factory floor, and but my dream was, you know, to be, you know, to be in studios and on stage and doing music.
0: Excellent. And it kind of followed on from that point was "What Is Love," and that was your highest chart topper to date. And it's it's not just a traditional kind of love song, is it? You get Questioning love and romance and all that sort of stuff. It yeah. kind of looks at it from a different angle.
3: Yeah, it was. It was. It's a questioning song. Um, uh, you know, saying you know, it's, it's questioning the idea of, of of romantic love being the answer to everything, really. And it it, um, you know, I mean, you know, from my from my from my perspective, it was always that you know, you've got to be if you want a relationship to work, you've got to be really quite strong yourself, and you can't be uh, relying on the other person or leaning on the other person the whole time because. Is eventually will become too much for the other person. So you've got to be kind of strong. The both people got to be strong together. Um, And you know, it's just exploring those 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 ideas, really.
0: Without a doubt, one of the happiest men of the '80s. Songs all kind of on a positive note, and that's what people brand you all the time. Is that where you are as a songwriter and as a person itself? Kind of glass half full rather than half empty.
3: Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I tried to be as positive as possible. I mean, I, 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 I recognize uh, within myself a huge, huge capacity to be, to be cynical, mm. um, and, and so I, I think you know quite early on in my in my twenties, I, I, I realized that, and I realized that I didn't want that side of me to win, you know. Um, so that's what, what, when I decided that you know my work would be, um, you know on the, you know, on the positive side, and that I, I wasn't going to dwell uh, on, 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 you know, uh, the negative aspect of mm-hmm. life. And, you know, that's what I've, I've always tried to do. But I think it's very important to acknowledge it. But, you know, with, um, but with my work, I want to sort of promote, you know, a positive outlook, because I always, you know, hopeful attitude always helps moving forward. Indeed,
0: yeah, certainly does. It's, it's one of the things as well because when you look back at the '80s, uh, the first thing that grabs you is kind of the bright colours, the big hair, flamboyance. But <laughs> it, it was it was a dark time socially, wasn't it, for many people? And there's a dark edge in music as well. But you did really well to resist that.
3: Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I mean, I you know I was very aware of the of, of you know a quite a, um, a depressing um, you know you know feeling in uh, society and and quite a lot of of pop bands and you know were. You know quite um quite depressed mm. but I, I i didn't I didn't want to follow that you know um i i j- I, just, I actually wanted to fight against that so you know that's what I did and I took a lot of flack for that you know from from the uh, music press and stuff like that well, that's fine that's what you get when you do that
0: it's always interested me as well because I've read interviews and I' remember seeing interviews with you as well and you you've often cited uh, Donald Fagan from Steely Down as one of your favorite musicians <laughs> yeah. who's um definitely not positive he's kind of very no, dark no. and cynical himself isn't he
3: well, I mean, I, I I think I mean certainly his early work um, mm. uh, has always got a sort of a dark and quite cynical edge. I mean, re- funny enough, it's this latest album. I don't find that he's kind of mellowed as he's got <laughs> older, but um, yes, yeah, so it's interesting. But I mean, from with with Fagan, it was always the the musical side of it. But I still, you know, I mean, even though uh, Fagan, you know, does his his lyrics are quite dark. I mean I can still appreciate that. It's just I, I didn't want to go down that route myself. I mean I can I can appreciate, you know, you know life is is about everything and and it's important to talk about the uh, you know the, the negative side of life as well. Otherwise, you know, it's totally unrealistic.
0: Mm. And obviously, keeping on the, uh, the positive theme as well, uh, following on from uh, your first album, Like to get to know you well came out. And that carried the motto on the sleeve dedicated to the original spirit of the Olympic Games as well. well whose idea was that? Where did that kind of come from?
3: Um, well, I, I, I just, I, I, you know, again, I, I, I just thought, you know, I mean, when I was doing gigs, I, I mean, really, it was my reaction to, to, you know, to people feeling very, you know, quite depressed at the mm. time. And... I think that, you know, I've always believed that if we want to create a, a more harmonious society and a, and a more peaceful world, we, we, we have to work on our relationships with each other. And that really is what that song's about. It's like, you know, if if I can get to know you well, I can understand you more and then we can be, uh, we can work together more and we can be friends. And this is, you know, to me, that's, the hardest thing to do, often, mm. but that's the thing that, that you know is going to change uh, society. Going to ch- you know, it and uh, it's going to change everything.
0: Uh, I'd like to touch on Live Aid as well, if you don't mind, Howard. Um, no, sure, yeah. Although you got Tony perform one song. I mean, what was it like being involved in such a well, massive era-defining moment like that?
3: Um, it was really, it was, it was really amazing i i i was actually on tour in america um you know at the time and i got my manager to to phone bob Geldof and say that i absolutely wanted to be part of it and so and i and i wanted to be part of the london show rather than the, you know yeah. the american so I, fl- I flew back and and it was just a great i mean you know it was a it was a fantastic event to be involved in it was it was almost like the first truly global um, event where that was linked with technology, and and it was for such an amazing cause. And people came together to raise money—you know, 100 million quid or whatever mm-hmm. it was—for um, Ethiopia. And and it was, you know, and it was a great example of, of what we can do when we decide to to get together and, and, and work together. Um, and I got to meet, you know, loads. Of people I met. David Bowie and, and um, Princess Diana and, and uh, uh, you know, Phil Collins and, and, and just hung out with some, um, uh, you know, kind of heroes of mine. And uh, it was amazing, amazing day.
0: And you got to play Freddie Mercury's piano as well, which couldn't have been
3: bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's not the best piano in the world, but um, it had a few sort of dodgy notes down the left-hand side, <laughs> down the bass end. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm a, I, as... As I was going on, Phil, Phil Collins had just done a song, and he and he said, "Oh, he said, watch some of those, you know, the low notes down the bass end." So I, I, I did, but yeah, it was great. It was, it was. I mean, I mean, for me, the highlight was when it, when I got to the chorus of "Hide and Seek," um, the whole audience joined mm. in, you know, and yeah. and it was it was one of those moments that you never ever forget. It was like you're being carried by this huge wave of um, of um well, I can only describe it as, as goodwill, really. You know, and and it sort of sends shivers down me now, even even you know, even thinking about it. So, it's, it's a, a, a privilege to be involved in that.
0: And from one amazing memory to what I'm guessing could be another one. Later on that year, you played the Grammys, didn't you? In a synthesizer showdown. Tell us about that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've never <laughs> heard it. As <laughs> that—that's great. That's a great title for a <laughs> uh, Synthesizer showdown. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, you know, Stevie Wonder and uh, Thomas Dolby and 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 me and Herbie Hancock, and it was the it was the Grammys. It was the music industry recognizing that there was a bit of a change going on, you know, yeah, and like yeah. electronic music was starting to be taken seriously, and so they decided to you know to give a tribute to some of the people who had sort of pioneered. Um, you know this new this new wave of, of sense and and, and and we're actually working in the pop world you know and not just in kind mm. of um you know sort of some uh, eclectic sideshow so um and it was amazing you know hanging out with uh, Stevie Wonder in the studio when we were preparing the track, and I jammed with him and hang out with him and it was just amazing experience really you know and i i, I it's great watching back that clip and uh, you know, it's pretty wild, really. and it, yeah. I think it did, it did actually um, send out quite a big message to everyone, really, as well, about hmm. keyboards and synths and stuff.
0: I just always remember you having the biggest smile on your face all the way through that. Oh, yeah,
3: hands. yeah, absolutely. I was <laughs> like, you know, how did I, um, how did I end up here? <laughs> <laughs>
2: There you go. Howard Jones there. Such a nice guy. As I said earlier, I met him backstage at a festival too, and he was very cool indeed. Now, coming up soon are the update to the Artist choice playlist, where we'll hear from the likes of Yorma Calkinum, Dave Mason, Steve Lukather and others. But it's the time of the show to give you my top five songs from this week's guest. Now, remember, this is my personal choice. I don't claim it to be the definitive list. It's very subjective and hopefully can open the doors for anyone who may not be overly familiar with the person in question. So here we go. My favourite five songs from Howard Jones, according to Vintage Rockpod. Number five is the opening track from his 1992 album In The Running. It was very pop by this stage in his career, but it's a good song that I always liked, so I'm going to sneak it in at number five. At number five is Lift Me Up. At four is a slightly darker song, which Howard is certainly not known for. The opening song from his 1989 album, Cross That Line. And number four is The Prisoner. Fountain, now, make me whole. <laughs> now, the top three songs on my list can easily change on a weekly basis. But for right now, I'm going to go with this one at number three. It's from his debut album, Humans Lib, from 1984. Reaching number two, it remains his highest charting single in the UK as well. So, number three is What Is Love? At number two is another song like What Is Love that has another big sing-along chorus. This one closed out his huge-selling 1985 album Dream Into Action. At number two is Like To Get To Know You Well. well.
1: well. 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 well.
2: And at number one, I'm going to go for the opening track from Dream Into Action. Went to number five in the US. Also went top ten in the UK, Canada and Ireland as well. This was the opening song he performed at the festival where I saw him, and seeing 20,000 people sing along to this with the OOO bits was incredible. So the number one Howard Jones song according to Vintage Rock Pot is Things Can Only Get Better. there you go my favourite five songs from Howard Jones as I said it's strictly not on the classic rock theme is normal but uh, Howard's songs have always struck a chord with me and uh, he was very successful so hopefully you enjoyed the interview and enjoyed listening back to some of his songs there please check him out if you weren't overly familiar with him anyway reminiscing about the 80s and the synth new wave and all that sort of stuff too if you like that please let me know if you'd like me to go a bit more down the new wave path because there's plenty of other people I've spoken to and can speak to as well as ever I'd love to hear your thoughts on the top five lists and anything else as well drop me an email vintage at gmail.com or as i said previously get in touch with me on the social media channels and now it's time to hear about the update for my specially curated completely unique spotify playlist called vintage rock pod artist choice and we're going to hear from all these fantastic guests and their song choices right after this now, the Spotify playlist called Vintage Rock Pod Artist Choice is a playlist like no other. I ask all the big-name guests that I have on the show to nominate one song from their own back catalogue of music to add onto this special list. Now, there's some cracking names on there already, offering up songs from the likes of Credence Clearwater Revival, Dire Straits, Small Faces, Rainbow, Scorpions, Rat, and many, many more. To find it, you go on, you To find it, you go onto Spotify and search for Vintage Rock Pod Artist Choice. You'll see the playlist, you can hit follow and you'll be able to hear the songs and and see as more guests add their songs to this pile as well. So let's get going with the new batch then. And we'll start with Dave Mason, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer with Traffic, alongside Steve Winwood. He worked with all the legends, including playing on All Along the Watchtower with Jimi Hendrix, he's played on songs by the Rolling Stones and the likes of Paul McCartney and George Harrison and many, many more. You can hear his incredible stories on episode 42. Well worth checking out. Now let's find out what song he's chosen to add to this list.
4: I probably picked Shouldn't Have Took More Than You Gave off along Together. Yep. It's got a very cool guitar. I mean, that's what I am. I'm a guitar player. I just happen to sing. <laughs> so, <laughs> mostly, it's about the guitar for me. Took more than you gave. Give up.
2: There you go. Shouldn't Have Took More Than You Gave from his debut solo album in 1970 is on that list. Next up, let's hear from UK prog stars Marillion and their ever-present guitar hero, Steve Rothery.
3: I'd probably say The Great Escape uh, from the Brave album just because I think it uh, encapsulates what's great about this band Uh you know, the, the way the lyrics and the music work together, the different musical changes and, and moods it goes through. Uh, you know, a couple of good guitar solos, which never hurt. Um, yeah, it's it's just, I think it's it's as close to the perfect Marillion song as I uh, can think of.
2: Great song, which made my top five Merillion songs list To that one. Next up, let's go back to the 60s and hear from another Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Jefferson Airplane and Hot Tuna guitarist Jorma Kalkinen. He regaled me with some great stories from his career alongside the likes of Janis Joplin, of course, Grace Slick as well, on episode 35. Let's see which track he's putting forward.
4: I'm going to say um, We Can Be Together from Volunteers. Because it's something I've actually, I've, I've you know, over this time I've had a lot of time on my hands. I've gone back and to listen to a lot of this stuff. You know, I, I first of all, it's just an interesting song, but I just, I just love. I mean, thinking back to the time when it was written, also. But I, I just love the sort of like uh, emotional space that it occupies, and the fact that it's, you know, Paul wrote these songs that have dozens of parts to them, you know. You know, I I tend to write, you know, given my own things, I tend to write three or four chord songs, and that's pretty much it. Paul was not like that. So I just just love the emotional spirit of the song. Um, You know, you have to put it in the time in which it was written also, too. You know, Grace has that line, up against the wall, up against the wall, motherfuckers. But then the next line is, we can be together. I mean, you know, younger people go, well, what's that all about? I'm going, you kind of had to be there. But anyway, yeah, that's the song I'm going to pick.
2: from The Great Album Volunteers. Definitely check that one out. Right, let's come to Scotland next and speak with former Rainbow frontman and current Alcatraz lead singer Doogie White to see what song from his back catalogue he's going to include.
5: Well, I think think what we should do is from the, um, as yet untitled album, we should put the opening track, which is called Come Taste the Band. Now, Alex Dixon, who was a friend of mine, and we were, in, uh, we were in Midnight Blue together. Him and I wrote this the day after Richie Blackwell called me to, uh, to hear new material from me before he offered me the job with Rainbow. And um, we wrote it in the style of Mark IV Deep Purple. And I did the Coverdale parts and the Hughes parts, and Al played like Tommy Boland. So when it came to, to putting the album together, I thought this would be a good opener, a good opening song, because it gets that purple family rainbow family connection out of the way which then allows the album to follow its own natural path um but just to make it even better i had uh patty russo come in and do what would traditionally have been the glenn, glenn hughes parts. now patty was the paradise by the dashboard light girl um from meatloaf uh, and and she was staying with us for a while and and I only let her do it once because I've never heard volume like this coming out of a wee tiny person It was unbelievable. And then I thought, well, what could I do, you know, to make this start of this album as good as I could get it? So I asked Tony Carey. Now, Tony played in it on Rainbow Rising. He was the keyboard player on Rainbow Rising. And I asked him to give me a sort of Tara woman, woman intro to it, just for fun. You know, cause then you've got the, you've got the Tarot Woman kind of intro at the start of the album, and then it drifts into this sort of Mark Four style, deep, deep purple song called Come Taste the Band. So, Come Taste the Band from Us Yet Untitled would be a great song to play, and people can hear it because it's a great B tune.
2: That's Doogie's choice added to the list. Next up, we're going to go to another man with an incredible career, which includes hits as the lead singer with Ace, uh, Squeeze, Mike and the Mechanics, plus his own solo career as well. He's toured with Eric Clapton for the last near decade, and he also sang at Roger Waters' iconic The Wall gig in Berlin with, what, 300,000 people there. He sang leads on Hey You on that one. Phenomenal stuff. Yes, it's Paul Carrack definitely check out his interview. It's incredible, it's on episode 36. Let's see which song he's going for, for our list.
5: Oh, let's do Tempted. It's a great song, it's a great song, written by uh, Glenn Tilbrook, Christopher. I could have sung it better. It was a bit too high for me at the time, but I wasn't complaining at the time. But uh, such a great song, um, fantastic lyric, as well, you know, by uh, Chris, I can only dream of writing a lyric like that myself—a descriptive thing like that. I'm—I'm I'm more of a moon in June kind of guy, but um, fantastic. So a bit tempted by squeeze.
2: So many hits for him to choose from. Interesting, he's gone for that track. Chris Difford and Elvis Costello also involved with Squeeze, of course. Next up, let's hear from last week's guest, drummer for so many years with the brilliant Blue Oyster Cult. Here's Albert Bouchard's choice.
1: I think I would have to choose something from uh, Reimaginers. So I'm going to say Siege and Investiture, Baron von Frankenstein's Castle with Serie because I just love what R.J. did on it. And also Greg Holt played an amazing violin part. You know, I mean, he played amazing on od on Life, too. I mean, he's oh, he's a great, great player. I just discovered him through a mutual friend in New York.
6: Imagine he was me, and that was called Frankenstein.
1: Imagine he was me, and I was called Frankenstein.
2: Albert Bouchard there, going for his new imagining of the Blue Oyster Cult song with a ridiculously long name, so I'm not going to repeat it, but it's on the list anyway. You can find it on there. A couple more still to go, but let's hear from Styx lead singer for the past 20 years, Lawrence Gowan. Again, another great interview from episode 39, this one. As well as being with Styx for so long, he had a hugely successful career in the 80s in his native Canada with platinum albums there, so I wonder which way he's going to go for his
5: song choice. You should probably play A Criminal Mind, because that. Be- that when uh, that was the first single and it was a it it went platinum as a single just recently funny enough um and that that album was really successful and i have a comic book called uh, called a criminal mind so anyway and it's over seven minutes long not the comic book the song so uh yeah you might want to check that one out
2: his big solo single a criminal mind that gets added to the vintage rock pod artist choice playlist next up to give their song is a man who's been in the business 50 years roger earl from fog hats now the band's big single is obviously slow ride will he choose that one or something
5: else i think we've made three or, probably recorded three or four hundred songs um what about eight days on the road Because, I mean, that's the current record. And I've always dug the song. It was an old R&B song. Who wrote that? I can't remember. No, I can't remember. It will come to me tomorrow and then I'll call you. (laughs) But eight days on the road.
2: Drummer Roger Earl from Foghat Hat, putting eight days on the road onto the playlist. Now the penultimate choice comes from bass player Jeff Pilson. He found fame in the 80's as part of the core lineup of big hair metal favorite Dokken. He's also currently been working for many years with Foreigner as well as many other projects too, so let's see which song he's going to go for
6: I'm gonna pick a, I'm gonna pick a song off the
2: new M machine record. It's a song called Destiny. I love that song.
6: Uh, it's the last song on the record, and um, yeah, there's
1: there's a big chunk of me in there.
0: <laughs> Good stuff. And did you enjoy that um, recording process and writing process with that song? I
1: absolutely did, and and it was very magical. And um, yeah, just a lot, a lot of a lot of great feelings about that track. Oh, that whole record, really. But that that track, I think, is a perfect way to end that
6: record. Um, and I'd like people to hear it more. So there you go. <laughs>
2: jeff Pilson's choice there and last but certainly not least one of my favorite interviewees such a great guy with a phenomenal career as well as being ever present with toto he's worked with ringo Starr and played on all the tracks on michael jackson's thriller album it's a brilliant interview well well worth listening to if you haven't already he discusses it in so much detail from his amazing career from episode 34, I'm talking about Steve Lukather. Let's find out what song the fabulous Steve adds to the list.
6: Oh, well, you know what? There's a, there's a more recent one. That on the Total 14 record, there's a song called Great Expectations, which is one of our a little bit more of our proggy kind of things, you know. Most people go, oh, that Africa band, you know what I mean? It's like, to us, that's like, wow, man, you know, that's the weirdest tune we ever did, and... If that's what you think the whole band is all about, then I'd love to show another side. So this would be a great, we were proud of how that came out and it's not a hit song that everybody knows, you know what I mean? something that we really just dug writing and recording.
0: And do you remember much about the writing or recording of that one?
6: Yeah, I mean, we would, you know, it was something that we said, okay, we're gonna write something a little bit more muso, you know what I mean? But we still wanted to have the connection of vocals and stuff. And so we, you know, everybody brought in pieces and we, then we, Put it all together and made it work. Uh, so that, that was a fun. We've done that process many times on a song called Better World off of uh, one of our albums that was written by Dave, me, and Simon. And all three of us wrote different sections of the song and we just put it together. And it Worry, I wrote the lyrics and sang it. But you know, other than that, I mean, you know, there's a lot of the stuff that we've got, what, 14, 15, 16 records out or something like that. There's a lot of music to choose from.
2: it's in so there you go the playlist is now up to date with some brilliant songs and bands on that list which remember also features all the guests I've had on from the series previously too including bands like Manfred Man's Earth Band Uriah Heap Nazareth Susie Quattro, Heart and many many more it'd be awesome if you checked out the playlist on Spotify just search for Vintage Rock Pod Artist Choice and you'll find it all there for you to listen to and follow well that's it for this week's show then apologies for my uh, slightly croaky voice I've had to put up with a bit of a cold it's not Covid don't worry I've had negative tests just going to put that out there uh, slightly different to usual as well this episode but I hope you enjoyed it nonetheless more big name guests are going to follow on future episode with Rock and Roll Stories episodes released each Monday remember so if this is your first time listening then please make sure to follow or subscribe to the series on whatever podcast platform that you use so you don't miss any of them so until the next episode then remember if you come across anyone who isn't a big fan of rock just tell them my music is better than yours. Take care.
1: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football